0: This is Conducting Business. I'm Naomi Lewin. When instrumentalists play a concerto, audiences expect them to have it memorized. But an orchestra or string quartet performs with music on the stand in front of them. Why is that? And does memorizing the music liberate the performer or make for unnecessary fear of forgetting what comes next? We will get two views on this today. Joining us first is Nicholas Collin, the conductor of London's Aurora Orchestra, which recently performed Mozart's 40th Symphony, From Memory, at the BBC Proms. That proved to be somewhat controversial for a decision. There isn't a long convention of memorization for orchestras. Why did you do this?
1: Well, it was partly to do with what else was in the program. It was part of a late-night prom at the Albert Hall, and the other piece we were doing was uh, an amazing new piece by a composer called Benedict Mason, which explores the whole space of the hall and all the orchestra to perform that piece from memory. So all the uh, 96 players were on a clip track. Uh, we wanted to perform something quite traditional with it, and something we've longed to do for a, a, a while is perform a, a whole you know, classical symphony. Uh, actually, from memory, with all the performers playing without music. And uh, it seemed to fit really well with this program, and and indeed, I hope and believe it did.
0: Now, your decision to have them memorize the Mozart too turned out to be pretty controversial. Norman Lebrecht's blog got several dozen comments about it. Some people thought the idea was very exciting, but other people thought that memorizing the Mozart was more of a gimmick.
1: Well, I suppose we did it for very... Sincere artistic reasons, and I would not hesitate to do it again.
0: What were your familiar, sincere artistic reasons
1: uh, to explore what can happen when you take away the barrier of the music stand and the sheet music, and when you rehearse in a way that means that all the players and myself as a conductor, really delve into the the you know bottomless depths of a piece like like this amazing symphony. Uh, and as I said to, to all the orchestras, the memorization of it is not the goal. That's not the aim of what we're doing. We we need to play a beautifully crafted Mozart symphony in a, in a prom. It's part of the journey to get there, and, and it's just something that we'll do on the way.
0: Did you get any pushback from them when you said, this is what we're going to do? Did they say, what, you're crazy? No, I mean, we have...
1: As an orchestra, we've done bits and pieces, little things from memory. So it's known as a group which sort of pushes the boundaries on that front. And I think, to be honest, they sort of said yes to this concert about eight months ago and probably thought, oh, that'll be easy. And And then about a month ago, started thinking, oh dear, we've actually got to do that. And to be honest, you know, some players did find it quite stressful. Some left it quite late. I think it was something which players had to really prepare in advance themselves. Did they get um, hazardous
0: but, duty pay, any extra pay for having to memorize the whole uh, thing? They,
1: they did get a small memorization fee, but to be honest, there was a memorization fee anyway for the whole concert because of the other piece. And we did have more rehearsals than we would normally have on a piece like Mercer 40. I mean, we we had five three-hour rehearsals, which for an English orchestra is you know, a huge amount of time on a piece like Mercer 40, but nearly all of that was spent. Musically rehearsing, not uh, nothing to do with memorization, because by the end of the first rehearsal, everyone had it down from memory, which surprised me. It has to be said. Uh, so then we have the luxury of, um, you know, twelve, fourteen hours or something, actually rehearsing musically a piece, which everyone knows, uh, like Mozart forty, which means the detail you can get into and the, the joy you can get out of it is just so wonderful.
0: Why did you choose Mozart forty for this experiment?
1: It seemed to have the right sort of balance of lightness and dark to it to fit well within the program. And I suppose it was a a piece that's so well known and so often played, it felt like that challenge of of taking it one step further and and playing it from memory would would work quite well with a piece like this. And what's amazing is, is, and I find this a lot as a conductor, learning a score from memory, is that you may think you know it from memory until you really sit down and learn it. And a lot of people would say, oh, Mozart, 40, I've played that so many times, I could play it from memory. And you'd say, no, you can't. <laughs> because the little variations that, that Mozart makes and the little changes in that, that five-bar phrase instead of a four-bar phrase when it cuts the tune comes back, whatever it is, you know.
0: Were you ever worried that people would forget something, lose their way while you were going along in performance?
1: I was worried about three
0: weeks before.
1: And I thought, what are we doing? This is stupid. And then I couldn't believe how quickly it came together. And and as I said to them, you know, this is no different. I, I conduct a lot of opera, and it's no different from on the first night. I, the last thing in my mind is worrying whether the singers are going to forget words in this. <laughs> I've a particularly troublesome singer. But you do it so much, many times that you just know you'll go out there and, and memory won't be a factor. And for them, it was just the same thing. And before the concert, you know... I think people started to think, why are we doing this for the first time um, in a prom, which is a big arena to do it in, and uh, live on radio. And, you know, why, do, why does it need to be now that we do this? But it was great. It was it was honestly one of the most rewarding musical experiences that I've been involved in.
0: So you any plans to do it again? Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. Different pieces. But, yeah, I'm sure we'll come back to that idea at least once a year from now. So, yeah, it's thrilling.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining us.
1: Not at all. A
2: pleasure to chat.
0: Nicholas Collin is conductor of the Aurora Orchestra. We just heard about an orchestra's effort to bring memorization to the concert hall. Now we will talk to a concert pianist who's been rather outspoken on the issue. Stephen Huff is no stranger to tackling massive, daunting works by Tchaikovsky, Liszt, and Rachmaninoff, but he's not a stickler for memorization. He joins us now to explain. Stephen, you wrote an article in The Telegraph a couple of years ago that asked whether memorizing the music is really necessary for a good performance, and you questioned whether there was anything artistic about memorization or whether it's more a skill like sight reading that doesn't have any real musical relevance. Can you explain that? Yeah, well, I think I wanted to look into reasons
2: behind why some people are very nervous and why some people, in fact, end up not playing in public anymore. There are a number of instances of artists, again Gould comes to mind, and others who stop playing in public um, at the very height of their powers, but maybe at the very point in the human brain's life in their mid-thirties when memorization becomes more difficult. So I wanted to explain whether something to do with nervousness had to do with something to do with playing from the score. I always play from memory, it's just so far in my life it feels the most comfortable thing to do unless I'm playing a contemporary piece that's very complex or random. But I do think it's important for us to examine, uh, and a number of pianists now are playing from the score, to examine whether this is, strictly speaking, important. Isn't it most important that we play our best? And if we really play our best with a score in front of us, or these days with an iPad in front of us, perhaps we shouldn't pay too much attention to this.
0: Why has it become so commonplace for, or why did it become so commonplace for pianists to memorize the music?
2: Well, the history of it is quite interesting because when Chopin, uh, a pupil, came to play for Chopin one day and played from memory, and he shouted at him and said, how dare you play from memory? It's disrespectful to the composer. Because uh, at that time, if you played from memory, it was as if you were improvising. And so it looked like this young student was trying to pretend that the piece he was playing was actually his own. If you put the music up in front of you, you know this is the piece by the composer from whose score I'm playing. So that's sort of how it began, um, how it was at that time. Then you have the, the, the figure of Liszt who improvised in public and then began to play the works of other composers and began to play them more and more and not use the score. He began to sit in profile to the audience. He played whole evenings of piano recitals, whereas before you would just have one piano piece on a mixed program with singers and orchestral music and so on. So the whole way that we looked at concert life began to change by the mid-19th century. And then by the end of the 19th century, the idea of playing from memory was was almost like an Olympic feat. It was separating the men from the boys. Those who came out and played from memory seemed to be so much more accomplished than those who needed the score in front of them. And, and indeed, that, it, for the last hundred years and, and more, that's been what's happened. And I'm always very amused and sometimes even a little annoyed when members of the public, um, after a concert, will come backstage or in a CD signing and say the thing that they admired the most, he said, how do you remember all of that? Not how do you find that musical meaning behind those notes, how do you play those notes, how do you pedal, how does the nuance, all of the thousands of things that we musicians work on all the time, but how did you remember all that? And now I sort of point out that, you know, there are probably... A 10,000 ten thousand youngsters all over the globe, many of them probably in, in countries where, where young people learn so much, in China, who can play reams of music from memory, but perhaps don't have very much to say that will move us to tears or will, will bring a new philosophical insight. And then there are artists like Myra Hess or Richter or Clifford Curzon, people who played all the time from music, who have so many wonderful things to say. Now, who am I to say to... Richter, uh, I'm sorry you can't come and play in public because you're not playing from memory. I think this does require a re-examination of of the whole tradition of that. But I would have to add to that, though, that I do think it's important to learn the sort of technique of learning a piece of music and memorizing it. Because playing from the score is not that you don't memorize it. It's that you actually feel more comfortable in that moment on stage to have the score in front of you. You know someone like Schnabel, who um, who didn't play from the score, but that had memory issues. He knew those pieces absolutely backwards and inside out. He'd edited them. He was a towering intellectual, but. The point is that that having a, a score there in front of him perhaps would have made him feel more comfortable and therefore play better.
0: What about the question of whether the score on the stand, not necessarily maybe for a pianist, but for other instruments, takes away from the theatricality of a performance? Singers rarely use the score, and when you do, you kind of feel like there's a little bit of a barrier between them and the audience. Yes,
2: it's the visibility of it, isn't it? It's a little bit like the autocue. Um, if we could see the newsreader actually reading from a sheet of paper, we'd, we'd find it a little bit distracting. But the fact that they read from an autocue... Um, Teleprompter, it, I think it. is what we it doesn't call it. Us. Um bother us. The same with with prompts. You know, many um, pop singers, I think, have prompts all over the stage. I think famously Barbara Streisand has many prompts with the words of her songs, but we don't realize it, we don't see it, so it doesn't bother us. If you're telling a story in, in a song, and particularly, of course, in opera, there is a difference when words enter into the picture because as a singer, it's as if you're speaking to the audience. As a pianist, of course, I am not. I don't see the audience because I, I sit in the one place in the hall where I can't see them. Very different, of course, for a violinist or a cellist. I think we just have to be a little bit free about this. We have to be a bit loose. It will depend on repertoire. It will depend on the occasion I just feel that it, it, it shouldn't be a barrier to performance. People shouldn't feel in their 40s and 50s, I, I have to give up playing in public because my memory isn't as good as it was when I was 19. There's certainly a sense, I think, in which playing from memory, which, as I said, is, is what I do all the time in, 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 in you know 99.9% of my concerts, gives me a sense of freedom and almost of, of improvisation as if I'm making the piece up as I go along, that it gives me a, a feeling of, of anything could happen, you know, that barriers are down. In, in a way, if the score is up there, I can feel a little bit more restricted. But if the score is up there, what I do find is that I discover new things sometimes during the performance. Sometimes memory is, is about, particularly let's say in a piece with a lot of counting issues. So you have, you know, three bars of this, and then two bars of that, and then a change, and then another bar of this. And... Often you can find that as you're playing that you're really thinking of the numbers of the patterns rather than just expressing the music behind them. And with the score up there, uh, I think it's possible perhaps to go deeper into the music of the score than, than it would be otherwise.
0: Of course, as a pianist with the score in front of you, you also have the issue of a page-turner. Does that That's create right. challenges? Yes.
2: The curse of the page turner. Well, I shouldn't say that. I have had some wonderful page turners. I've also had some terrible page turners in my my time. One of the worst was a friend of mine who offered to turn pages for me when I was playing my own second piano sonata. And um, that was a piece that I hadn't memorized. Uh, well, I didn't feel comfortable playing from memory. It's probably the, uh, the more accurate, but... He was leaning into the piano, and he had a, a jacket with a lot of material on it. And at one point, it was actually draped over the keys. So I had to play the keys through the material of, of his jacket, which was terrible. And then he, he got in the way, so I couldn't reach to a note at the bottom of the instrument. It was an absolute disaster. At the end, he said, you'll never ask me to turn again, will you? And I said, no, I won't. <laughs> of course, we're still great friends, but page-turning was not his particular skill.
0: Well, it sounds like page turners will be the subject for a whole new conducting business. Bottom line on memorization, if it feels right, do it. And if it helps you to have the music, use it. Pretty much. I mean, I might just say,
2: you know, be kind to yourself. Uh, don't kill yourself. I mean, don't take the shortcut. I think that that's an important thing, and particularly um, with younger artists, with students, uh, you know, don't just sort of start learning a piece and saying, oh, this is going to be difficult to memorize and it's going to play it from the score. Learn it thoroughly, memorize it as if you're going to play it from memory. But then on the, on the night, if you find that you'll play it better with the score, don't have any, any worries about using it, I think.
0: Thank you very, very much.
2: My pleasure. Thanks.
0: Stephen Huff is a concert pianist and also writes his own blog. This has been Conducting Business. Brian Weiss is our producer. I'm Naomi Lewin. Thanks for listening.